Yes, we all know the UFC is the pinnacle of the mixed martial arts world. It's the big show, the place where all young fighters dream of competing. But from your first fight onwards, you will face the toughest competition of your life. And unfortunately for some, things don't always go as planned. And by that, I mean they were unfortunately annihilated in their first UFC performance. So I literally went through every UFC event ever and watched every single fight from when a fighter made their debut. I'm Bailey and from MMA Point and strap yourself in because this is the 10 most disastrous UFC debuts of all time. But first, a couple of quick disclaimers. Now, you might be asking, how do you even boil this list down? Well, we are looking at complete beatdowns, not flash KOs or TKOs. Why? Look at the difference! Well, because as devastating as they are, quick subs and KOs are pretty common. Anyone can get caught, and a lot of people do. But on the other hand, with a complete thrashing over the course of an entire three-round fight, well, it effectively demonstrates a fighter has absolutely no business in the UFC, possibly. They couldn't keep up with the grappling, the striking, the strategy, just a thorough beatdown in every area. Many fighters will tell you losing a one-sided decision is more demoralizing than getting quote-unquote caught in a submission or a KO. I mean, what's worse for you? Getting immediately KO'd or taking such a sustained beating that you lose years of your career? Get proven to be the lesser competition and then dropped from the promotion. So we simply prioritized it that way. Oh, and we're not counting the early shows because, I mean, no one knew what the hell was going on back then anyway. Right, let's get started. Yeah! Number 10, Sarah Alper versus Jessica Rose Clark. So, Jessie Jess had a hit-and-miss UFC career in the lead-up to the bout with Alpa. She'd lost 2-1-2, shown a well-rounded skill set, and was still a dial-in of the UFC despite being outpointed in her two decision losses. All she needed was a big performance. Sarah Alpa was coming off a second-round submission win on the Contender Series, which is not the same as a UFC debut, and it took her to a 9-4 record in her career. The matchup was set for UFC Fight Night Covington Woodley, and from the opening bell, it was pretty clear Alpa's plan was to wrestle, and she certainly tried, but unfortunately she only landed two of her 11 takedown attempts throughout the first two rounds, and things were not looking good. By the time the third round came, Alpa's tank was pretty much empty. Jess timed a knee that broke her nose, and for a moment it looked as if it was an illegal strike, but after studying the replay it turned out it wasn't, but to the dismay of many, ref Chris Tyone just let the action continue anyway, when it probably should have been a TKO stoppage. So, Jesse Jess just took top position and began to unleash a tirade of punishing ground and pound over the course of the next three minutes. Sarah was basically swimming in her own blood. Her wrestling game plan had totally failed and, well, that was about it. Jess got the win via TKO and Alpa's debut was seriously derailed and she's yet to find a win since. Number 9. Jason Miller vs. George St. Pierre when you go to school, you're supposed to discover what it is you want to do with the rest of your life. Because everyone else is doing it. Well, Jason Mayhem Miller got kicked out for fighting and most likely thought, well, all right then. And after spending a childhood practicing Taekwondo, training at one of the first MMA gyms in the US and challenging local karate teachers to spar, he made his pro debut at just 17 years old. Flash forward four years and he'd done pretty well on the US scene, losing only three times and winning the Super Brawl Championship in the process. So he was invited into the UFC for a one-fight deal against the rising star George St. Pierre. Cannon fodder, essentially, then, eh? I should also point out GSP had already fought for the title at this point, so he wasn't exactly untested either. But Miller came out doing his mayhem thing, and George was just too strong, too technical, just too good, really. Everything Jason did just didn't work. He tried to take him down, but GSP reversed him. He tried to submit him, but George just shrugged him off, and all the while he was taking ground and pound punishment that made it kind of difficult to tell where his hair dye started and sort of ended. There was a lot of blood, basically. It went the distance, and Jason survived, but not after being completely completely controlled and dominated and we didn't see him again in the UFC for another seven years so clearly not the best first impression. 
Number eight, Wes Sims versus Frank Mir. Twice. Yeah, Wes Sims is sort of an odd bloke, isn't he? I obviously haven't put no training into this fight. I mean, for a guy that's six foot ten, it's not surprising his first athletic endeavor in life was basketball, but he actually dropped out of college to become a pro wrestler. Permission to find the toughest guy they can find in the ring, cage, or streets to fight Wes Sims, and what did they do? They went and got me some no name, some dummy. And you gotta hand it to him, he could be pretty entertaining when he wants to be. But he eventually met Mark Coleman, who was like, no, 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 dude. MMA. So he started training and he went 6-1 and one in his first year of the sport while at Team Hammerhouse and even got an invite to the UFC. But being only one year into your career and in a brand new sport, which in the early 2000s really rode that line of anything goes, Wes fought Frank Mir in his UFC debut and he got disqualified. It wasn't like he was winning the fight or anything, he just got taken down immediately and only when Frank was going for an armbar did he get his first opportunity in the fight to do some damage. He slammed him into the canvas and, well, stomped on his head. I know this is 2003, Wes, but that's still illegal in the UFC, mate. So that's a pretty disastrous UFC debut, but I'm counting his next fight as well for this list because he fought Frank in a rematch the following year. Yeah, it was his second UFC fight. He knew the rules this time around, all right, but that didn't exactly help him. He was just taken down 10 seconds into the fight where he stayed on the mat, defending submission attempts and ground and pound until the round ended. And the second was pretty much the same. He was taken down again. And once they got back to the feet with a minute left in the round, was absolutely blasted by two quick knees and finished off with some heavy hands. Yeah, well, Wes will still tell you he won that fight anyway. You were in the UFC. You fought against Frank Mir. You guys had two De fights. Defeated. Not, yeah, defeated. defeated. Yes. Sounds like you have mental problems, man. Yeah, you got mental problems, man. Yeah, it really does. Number seven, Sabah Hamasi versus Tim Means. It's honestly a tough ask for any UFC fighter to take on Tim Means, as his nickname Dirty Bird suggests he's not exactly the most courteous of fighters in the cage, using all eight limbs to slice and dice his opponents. Add to that year's worth of experience, and he's honestly not someone anyone on the roster should really take lightly. But try telling that to new signing Sabahu Massey, who made his UFC debut against Tim at UFC 202. The first round started okay, as most contests do, but after some deep breaths from Hamasi around the halfway mark, Tim started to turn on the pressure, like a faucet slowly being opened. His swinging elbows and knees in the clinch eventually opened up a gash on the top of Sabah's head, and soon enough it looked as if he'd been standing in front of those elevator doors in The Shining. But come the second round and things got worse. Like, much worse. Like Dirty Bird carrion feasting on a half-dead corpse, Tim just poured it on in the second round. He trapped Hamasi against the cage and for three minutes he did pretty much whatever he wanted, open up more cuts across his face and until there was just so much blood he would have made an enticing meal for even the Cullen family. Yeah, I just dropped a Twilight reference. Hamasi was clearly outmatched, the beating would have continued if not for the mercy of Herb Dean and it just goes to show when it comes to striking, sometimes volume can be even more disastrous than power. Another fighter on this list coming off the Contender series and was perhaps thrown into the deep end a little too soon is the mountain himself, Gregor Clegane. Oh wait, no, I mean Jared Vendera. But do you see the resemblance? Granted, he was the South African promotions EFC heavyweight champion, but his win on the Contender Series did come at the cost of a few brain cells, but showing much like the mountain himself, his ability to absorb damage is just part of his fighting style. Unfortunately, however, that's not always the best tactic when it comes to the highest level. I mean, just ask Homer Simpson. And his next opponent, Sergei Spivak, already had a slew of UFC fights under his belt when the two met at Fight Night Blades vs. Lewis. Spivak proved to everyone why he's nicknamed the Polar Bear, and after dragging Vandera to the mat, he 
just battered him with ground and pound until the end of the round. Then in the second, things got even worse and blood was just splurting onto the canvas. And despite it being clear Jared had no defense against the ground and pound, let alone the mount position, the referee just let the beating continue until much like kickboxing champion Rico Verhoeven, there's no way Vandera's phone would have unlocked after this one. Number five, Daryl Horcher versus Habib Namagamedov. Now, to be fair to Mr. Horcher, I'm not exactly sure this is what he had in mind for his UFC debut, but he did sign a short notice fight in order to make his first appearance in the promotion, jumping at the opportunity regardless of the opponent. A price for everything, Mr. Goldenfold. A price for everything. It's just that the opponent happened to be Habib Namagamadoff, who was 22-0 at the time, and, well, unstoppable. I mean, literally. It was again one of those moments in UFC history where Habib had been scheduled to fight Tony Ferguson, but El Kikui had pulled out because of a lung issue, so Daryl Horcher answered the call, and at a catch weight of 160 pounds. It had been two years since Habib had stepped inside the octagon. His last win was over RDA, who in that time had gone on a five-fight win streak and captured the title, so maybe, just maybe, Horcher had a chance. But he was slammed into the canvas in just two minutes, and as Rogan explained, Habib's ground and pound is absolutely terrifying. He was then relentlessly beaten until he was saved by the horn. The same continued in the next round until Habib was pulled off his near lifeless body. Still, as mentioned at the start of the broadcast, a pretty brave thing to do. You know, step up and fight a man who would go on to be one of the greatest of all time. Number four, Reese McKee versus Hamzat Shamayev. After making his debut just 10 days earlier with the UFC's first visit to Yaz, aka Fight Island, Hamzat Chemaev had been begging the UFC matchmakers for another fight, determined to just stay on the island and fight as many opponents as the UFC could feed him. Chemaev's debut had come against John Phillips, a man who was 1-3 in three in his UFC performances, and after he was completely annihilated by the balls, fans were excited to see more, perhaps against a more tested UFC opponent? Well, beggars can't be choosers, and 10 days is a pretty short turnaround for most UFC fighters, but seeing as Reese McKee he wasn't yet on the roster, he saw this as his opportunity to make his debut. So on just six days' notice, he made the trip to Abu Dhabi and unfortunately had one of the worst UFC debuts of all time. How much of it was his own fault, however? Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? It still earns a place on this list and Hamzat shot a takedown in one second of the fight beginning, secured top position and then just obliterated him. Just in case anyone wasn't clear who he was or what he brought to the table, well, it was made pretty clear that night with a thorough beating he put on McKee. He ended the fight in full out in three minutes after basically playing ping pong with his head. Number three, Valentina Shevchenko versus Priscilla Cachoeira. After the women's 125 division was created in the UFC, there was a little bit of confusion. Basically, there had been a tough series to determine the new champion, Nico Montano. She won, and she was supposed to defend her belt against Valentina Shevchenko, who, you know, everyone figured the division had been created for. But Nico got injured, and then after recovering, she failed a USADA test, and, well, the UFC had had enough, basically, and just wanted to schedule a new title fight for Valentina ASAP. But she hadn't even made a 125 debut yet, so let's find her an opponent, quick as pos. Well, Priscilla Cachoeira was 8-0 on the Brazilian regional scene, but she'd only been pro for pretty much one year, had no experience outside of local shows in Brazil, and was being matched against a woman who had already been fighting professionally for 15 years. What a way to make a debut, eh? What followed was an unprecedented level of domination and a beating way worse than you received for picking a fight with Tyler Durden in the underbelly of some bar somewhere. She stuffed her head against the cage in the first round and began battering it as she landed 95 strikes to Priscilla's three, bloodying her face further and further with just clearly no means of escape. And the second round wasn't any better. Another immediate takedown. Valentina got all Old Testament on her ass and slapped on a crucifix. Or is that New Testament? Anyway, she unloaded a volley of blows 
Cruz in another position that Cachoeira clearly just had no answer to, and after 135 more strikes to this time zero in return, the contest was mercifully ended. Yeah, you got a UFC title eliminator in your debut, but much like fating any unbeatable foe, it came at great cost. Number two, Hannah Cyphers versus Macy Barber. Macy Barber wasted no time in letting every media outlet know after her win on the Contender Series she was going for the record of youngest ever UFC champion. So we all expected a big performance come her official UFC debut, which happened just four months later in our home state of Colorado at Fight Night Rodriguez versus the Korean Zombie. Pretty much perfect weather for a UFC debut. She was matched up with another debutee in Hannah Cyphers 8-2 with several first round finishes and on paper it looked like a good first test for the future Macy Barber. But yeah, after a first round spent mostly along the fence line, and a couple of good solid knees from Macy. The second round saw her land multiple elbows in the clinch to open up several cuts on Hannah and things only got worse from there. Much like a great white shark and smelling blood, Barber took top position and began an unrelenting quest for violence, dropping elbow after elbow after elbow and showing us undoubtedly more carnage than that cut scene from the end of Desperado. The damage began adding up and eventually the ref stopped the contest with Macy raising her arms in celebration with barely a scratch on her and Hannah still flat on the counter her face are now striking shade of crimson. Number one, Benoit Saint-Denis versus Elizu Zaleski dos Santos. Right, well this one actually starts off rather competitive. 7-0 French Special Forces member Benoit Saint-Denis was looking to make a splash in his UFC debut against hard-hitting capoeira king Elizu Zaleski dos Santos, and he was mixing things up well and even secured a takedown in the opening frame. But Zaleski had already been around the UFC block a few times at this point. Yeah, this was his 12th UFC fight since 2015, and after losing his own debut, he went on a seven-fight winning streak, which again, by the way, is how many fights Saint-Denis had had in his entire career at this point. Safe to say, you know where this one is going. But like I said, he didn't initially look bad, at least until Zaleski landed a right hand, and then another, and another, and well, I mean, words can't really describe what happens next. If you didn't catch this fight, you probably should go and watch it. A literal, unending tirade of punishment is unloaded by the Brazilian, and Saint-Denis somehow manages to eat all of it. Now, to be fair, the referee probably should have stopped this contest. I mean, the only reason he didn't was because Saint-Denis just was still standing and refused to to go down. Hey guys, I'm going to sleep now. And I guess he was just waiting for him to go unconscious or decide to drop to the canvas, where instead of the horrendous strikes on the feet, he probably would have just ended up eating horrible ground and pound. I guess we were in New York, but that shouldn't have been an excuse. Anyway, the fight somehow goes to a decision, just a crashing elevator of a disaster on so many levels. I'm Bailey from Around Point, and yes, we are finally here in our brand new office. Let's go check it out. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to our MMA challenge of the week. Today, I'm joined by the greatest referee in the world, Mr. Mark Goddard. Would, I would punch him straight in the back of the fucking head. That's right, a brand new channel with brand new content. Welcome to Fight Front, the home of personality-driven MMA. Today, it's an MMA challenge where I take the worst-rated UFC character in UFC Undisputed 3 all the way to the heavyweight championship of the world. And I'm reacting to Colin McGregor. Make sure you scroll on down and hit subscribe because you do not want to miss all the new content coming your way on this brand new channel. And hey, it's me, Tommy Toehold, and I'm rolling around on a damn monitor. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. 
Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.